Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. The Bible says that we're to be burden bearers, not burden givers. That's the gift of God to us. You actually can help people now. You can pick up a package. You can help with kiddos. You can, you can just have your eyes open. Let me tell you something. You always find what you're looking for. And if you open your eyes to find people to help, you will have more than enough opportunity to help. You don't need to wait for some bulletin announcement, although you can. You don't even have to wait till a church service. You look for those in your circle that need help. Both people you know and strangers, you have more people than you need, even within the church. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You There are hurting people all around us, from the person who just lost a loved one to the family who's struggling to make ends meet after the loss of a job. Or how about the elderly neighbor down the street that's having difficulty going to the grocery store? Today on Abounding Grace, we want to encourage you to bear one another's burdens and help people who have failed too. Pastor Ed Taylor has an eye on Hebrews chapter 12 and Galatians chapter 6. You hear about a brother falling, you don't want to be exposing all that stuff. You hear about somebody that's, you, you, you don't want to hurt them far. You want to come alongside them. Now, of course, you're not hiding sin. The Bible says, listen, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Or also the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins. Now, what that doesn't mean is that you hide sin and you sweep it under the rug. No way. No, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we're not sweeping things under the rug. We're not pretending things didn't happen. We're not covering sin so people can continue to sin. But we're also not exposing them so that they're hurt even greater. But we want to help a brother get up. We want to help a brother's strength. We want to help a brother or sister in the realm of confidentiality and making sure that we cover them and protect them while we help restore them. And yes, it's true. When you repent to God, most likely you're going to be repenting to other people too. You have not only sinned against God, but you've also sinned against your brother or sister. So it's not like it's just going to be swept under. We're all going to forget about it. We're going to be dealing with not only your relationship with God, but your relationship with others. But you know, you can make it harder for someone or you can make it easier for someone. The Bible says we have a choice. Not only that, notice, come back with me now, considering Noah's son. Now come back with me in Galatians and let's consider this for a moment. Because we're to enter in carefully, spiritually, because it says at the end of verse 1 that we need to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. We need to consider ourselves. Because part of our judgmental attitude at times is, oh, I can't believe he did that. 
I can't believe she did that. I would never do that. Well, listen, listen. That may be true. That may be exactly true. Maybe not the right, you don't have the right heart about it, but it might be true. They might have been caught up in a sin that's not a temptation for you at all. And it destroyed them, and it wrecked them, and it's shocking. I can't believe they would get caught up in that. But let me tell you something, friend. While that particular sin is not a temptation to you, you can be sure of this. There are a lot of other things that will tempt you to destruction too. And you want to check yourself and make sure that you're walking in the Spirit. So yeah, maybe sin A ruined that brother and it would never be an issue for you. You don't have any problem with sin A. But sin B is a big deal for you. And the Bible says whenever you're dealing with brokenness and sin, you've got to watch out for temptation in your own life. You know, one of the biggest temptations that you and I face when we're helping a brother and sister is pride. Thinking too highly of ourselves. It's like, well, here I am. I'm the rescuer. No, you're just another sinner saved by grace that God has used in someone's life. And you and I want to be careful lest I also be tempted. Notice, I also want to, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. That's a command. So we'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now, for the Galatians, this is an important phrase because the law of Christ was being interpreted as a bunch of rules and regulations, legalism. But Paul says, if you really want to fulfill the law of Christ, then help one another. You're in this race together. Help each other. Look out for each other. Yeah, you have your eyes on the prize, you have your eyes on the Lord, but you also want to have your eyes on one another. You want to bear one another's burden. Circle that word burden because it's important. It means to be kicked in the gut, if you will. It, it speaks of heaviness. It's, it speaks of more than you can handle on your own. You want to bear one another's burdens. We want to know that in the serious situations of our lives, that we'll have people, whether, you know, it's a troubled marriage, whether it's wayward kids, that, that you want to be able to help one another, not gossip about one another. We want to support and carry each other's burdens. We learn, we get to learn how to do this among the church, here, among us. Why? Because the world needs help. Like people outside of the church need help with the cares and concerns of life. You think it's hard on you. Hey, you know Jesus personally. What do you think the world feels like? Why do you think alcohol sales go through the roof? Why do you think you have laws legalizing drugs? Because people can't handle it. They can't handle the pressure. Well, why is there such a mental health crisis in our culture today? And it's real. Because life is hard. Especially when you have no purpose or meaning and no hope. Why do you think the alcohol and drug industry are billion-dollar industries? pushed in many ways by celebrities because you can have all the things in this world and still be incredibly lonely, hurting, without any hope whatsoever. And the world needs help to bear their burden. I can think of many times in my life, looking back now, I didn't see it when it was happening, but I look back now and I see people that God sent into my life before I was saved to help me carry burdens. Many of them I created myself the weights and concerns and difficulties that I did myself because of my own sinful decisions. Church, we want to bear one another's burdens, and that fulfills the law of Christ. 
Jesus said in John 13, 35, that the whole world would know that we are his disciples by how? Our love for one another. That is the mark. And how is our love demonstrated? Hey man, that's a group of people that help. They help each other and they help within our culture. Like, like it's so encouraging to know that when there's a need arises, that the church meets that need. It's so encouraging to hear that, man, a neighbor was helped, a friend was helped, a boss was helped. You know, we are able to collectively help. If we mentioned every single thing that happens here every week through the life of this church, that's, we'd spend the whole time gathered of just the ministry flowing through our church, both corporately, you know, as a large gathering, but also individually. Why? Because you're fulfilling the law of Christ. You're practicing. You know, I get this picture because it's, it's important that we do it spiritually, but also practically. You know, like if you're in the parking lot and, and you see a mom with her kids get out of the car and she's got a big package, whether it's here at church or right next door at Safeway, it doesn't matter. And the kids are kind of all over the place and she's got a package. The right thing to do is to go and help her. Just go and take something out of her arms. Maybe hold one of her kids' hands as you walk into Safeway together. You walk into church. Why? Because you're helping with a burden. You're making life easier. The Bible says that we're to be burden bearers, not burden givers. That's the gift of God to us. You actually can help people now. You can pick up a package. You can help with kiddos. You can, you can just have your eyes open. Let me tell you something. You always find what you're looking for. And if you open your eyes to find people to help, you will have more than enough opportunity to help. You don't need to wait for some bulletin announcement, although you can. You don't even have to wait till a church service. You look for those in your circle that need help both people you know and strangers, you'll have more people than you need, even within the church. But what happens is we just stop looking. We get under the weight of our own burdens, which notice in verse 3 it says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. That's the biggest temptation. This verse 3, right next to it, you could write the word pride. Pride and arrogance have destroyed even the strongest of believers. And such a great temptation in our lives when we're dealing with the brokenness of others. A church that's healthy, a church that's effective and safe is a church filled with the never-ending love of Jesus, the agape love. It gives a, te- a church that's divided and fighting and upset and gossiping and... It, Sounds like, looks like the world. What's the point? What's the point? Why be even involved in that? Why would we even want to have that in our lives? You know, you have to look around and go, is there anyone in your church that needs help? Is there anyone in your church that's physically hurting, spiritually hurting, emotionally hurting? Anyone around you struggling financially? Do they need help? Shouldn't we actively be asking that question all the time? Well, we do, Ed, and when I find out, I send them to the church. I don't know what happened over the years. I don't know what happened, but something along down the road, people started sending people to the church instead of remembering they are the church. That's what the Bible says. Now, of course, if someone is referred to us, we're going to help them, no doubt. But you're the church. 
It's not just, well, you know what, you're the pastor. We got a pastoral team. That's what they're, the pastors are here to do that. No, actually, that's not true. We're here to serve the Lord in the gift and calling that God has put upon our lives, but we're still the church. So when I encounter an issue, you know, in Safeway or something, I don't say, oh, just call the church. They'll help you. I'm there. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to stream. Well, of course, Ed, because you're a pastor. No, that's actually not Pastor Ed. That's just Ed. You know, that's just Ed. Right now, that's all. I'm just Ed. I get to exercise a gift that God has given to me. But really, your pastor, his name is Jesus Christ. He's the good shepherd. And he takes good care of his sheep. It's somewhere along the way, this, like, call the church. You know, we have a phone number, and you can certainly call the church. But as the church, we're to be burden bearers. We're not to be all caught up in pride and arrogance, looking down our noses at people that have failed or struggling, but to be filled with the love of God. The situations, the circumstances that come into our lives, I know they're impossible. I know. So many times as you are the church, you're just faced with all, man, this is impossible. I don't know how. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to save this marriage. I don't know how God, I don't know. I face them, you face them. But as the Bible teaches, Jesus told us, then he says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And all we really need to do is get people's eyes back on the Lord. Get their eyes looking to him, remembering there's a God in heaven that loves them. It's a great opening line with people just to look them in the eye and go, do you know there's a God in heaven that loves you? <laughs> do you know that? Have you ever been introduced to the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins? Oh, I know that sin, hearing that word, can be offensive to some. God says so. He says, you know, the message of the gospel, the good news, will be offensive, for sure. Because when you hear the word sin, it automatically puts you in a position where you have to, uh, you have to give an account for your activities. So, so, so maybe you are okay with the word mistake, and you're okay with the word mishap. And you're okay with the word, yeah, you know, I'm not perfect. And you kind of describe yourself, yeah, you know, I'm not a perfect person. Well, in those understandings, you, you, as a person that makes mistakes and a person filled with mishaps and as a person that, that is not perfect, well, what, what the world calls mistake, the Bible calls sin. And sin is far greater than just a simple mistake. A sin is a failure to uphold the holiness and righteousness of God your creator. I know that there's so much emphasis and effort in our culture to eliminate God. Even from a young age, kiddos that enter into preschool already at a young age, even on cartoons and PBS and all, already kids are trying to be influenced. There's no God, no God. You just evolved. You just kind of started out in a blob and you're not important and you grew and then an eyeball popped out and here you are. You're your own person. Go figure it out and go be the best that you can be. And you do you and all these phrases. And no mention of a creator who loves you and created you in his own image. Because when you introduce the truthfulness of God as creator, at the very same time you introduce accountability and responsibility. And then you're also introduced to the truth that when you fail... Oftentimes, your failure, well, no, I would even put it this way. When you fail, that failure hurts somebody every single time. It hurts you. And it may hurt people around you, but failure and sin will always hurt you. 
You don't need a pastor to tell you that, but that's my responsibility to remind you that your sin has separated you from God. That's the issue. That that's the, you know, in any separation, you begin to feel the weight of that separation. We were not meant to be separate. We were meant to be together. We are relational people. God created relationship within us. It's in our DNA. We're to be together. Some of you are very relational, so you have a large circle of people. Some of you are less relational. You have a small circle of people. But we were meant to be together as human beings, not to go through this alone. And so in life, you need to understand that you were meant and created to be together with God. He loves you. And for some of you, you, for the very first time, need to admit sin. You need to come to a place even today and admit your need for the forgiveness of sin. Because the greatest thing with unforgiven sin is burden and guilt and shame and separate and destruction. The Bible says, and, and we, many of us know it to be true by experience, but the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And how many of us have experienced death to dreams, to relationships? And each time we attend a funeral, we're reminded once again that the principle of sin still exists. That until we're in the presence of Jesus Christ and we experience the fullness of the resurrection, will sin, finally, sin and death finally be defeated and thrown themselves into the lake of fire at the end of the book of Revelation. Until then, we've got to deal with sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. God made it so simple that he encapsulated the good news of the gospel in one simple verse in the Bible. And many, almost everyone, whether you're a Christian or not, memorize this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, like if you even doubt today, well, well, what if I come to God? Will he accept me? Whoever believes in him will not perish, but experience and have everlasting life. That if you today will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. And here we are. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he's not, he deceives himself. We want to be careful of pride. Notice verse 4 now. But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. As we're serving and helping people get back up, strengthening hands and knees and helping one that's broken, setting back a broken bone, we need to make sure our own life is in order. That's where it starts. We're not always looking and trying to find everyone else's sin and fix everyone. No, we want to make sure our own life. Let each one examine his own work. That word again, another word to, to, to circle is examine. The word is translated scrutinize. Like if you're going to spend any attention, spend the most amount of detailed attention on your own life. Because this is true, is it not? We have our own hands full, don't we? And we have issues within our family. And we have issues at home. And we have issues in our culture. I mean, you can go on and on. Amen, 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 amen. We've got our own issues. We need to pay attention to our own issues so that we're in a position to help others. It's true. 
Hurting people hurt people, but it's also true that healing people heal people. But you got to pay attention to yourself. You can't be such an expert in everyone else's sins and ignore your own life. You're going to hurt them and you. We want to examine our own lives, scrutinize our lives. We want to be able, as Jesus taught us, hey, watch out for the log in your own eye before you start trying to take specks out of someone else's. Take care of your own life. Carry your own load. That's what he says here. He says in verse 5, each one shall bear his own load, which to some people would come and go, oh, contradiction. What's he talking about? Bear one another's burdens? Carry your own load? Yes, he says both. Remember, I asked you in verse 2 to circle the word burden. That means to kick, be kicked in the chest, you know, to take a big one, a big hit. Whereas in verse 5, the word load, that, that word there refers to a soldier's pack. Kind of, kind of like your own daily needs. If you were to go out hiking or something, you take your own backpack and have your own water and a few snacks. You take care of your needs, and then you can take care of someone. You take care of your own walk, and as you're strong, you'll be able to help someone that's got kicked in the gut. And so you take care of yourself, and at the same time, you're equipped to help others. You do both. You can't expect everyone to carry your load for you. You can't demand everyone. You know, it's, you, you may refer to a person like that, that that's a needy person. Well, if you happen to be one of those that are needy, you need to scrutinize your life. You have the power of God. He can take care of your needs. He can take care of your daily needs. He can take care of your family. He can take care of your own issues, as we said amen to. You want to cooperate with him in obedience. Examine yourself. Everyone's to bear their own burden, their own daily walk with the Lord. You do your own devotions. As you do your devotions with your kids, you're training them to do their own devotions. You know, as you do devotions together as a married couple, you're training, hey, we have couple devotions, but we'll have a personal walk with the Lord. If I'm going to be a good husband, I've got to take care of my life. If I'm going to be a good wife, i got to take care of my life. And then together I can strengthen one another in unity. It comes together in unity. We all have our own responsibilities to bear, but we also then come alongside and help one another with their heavy, heavy situations. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, our pick of the month is an excellent book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Could you give us the Cliff Notes version here briefly? Well, you know, there have been, Larry, a couple of books. Now, this is our second book that we've chosen that specifically deal with the mind, where it's important that we learn, as Pastor Louis Giglio says, win the battle of our mind. That's where the warfare is. The warfare is in our mind. And so through this um, resource, we want to encourage you to take control over your thoughts while you're developing an intimate relationship with Jesus, where, you know, as your mind is set, you know, in Isaiah it says, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, on you. And so we want to see, we want you to experience encouragement. We want you to um, walk in the victory where your mind is stayed on him. And... 
and deal with the shame, the guilt, the condemnation that comes as we give room for the enemy. I like the the I think what Pastor Louis taught this at his church. He had a table set out on the stage, and he was very visual. And hey, man, we're not going to give the enemy a seat at the table. He doesn't belong here. We're not going to let him here. We're going to take every thought into captivity to Jesus Christ. And we've been looking for different angles. I have, as a pastor, been looking for different angles to resource you to help you fight the battle of your mind. And this is another one to add to your list. I know it'll bless you. It'll encourage you. And pick it up, whether you, whether you support the ministry or not. Pick it up. Uh, I know the Lord will use it. And if you do support the ministry, thank you, thank you, thank you. It helps a lot. Bless you guys. That's Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.